Hey, this is Greg Sanders. Thanks for listening today. It's our hope that this message will help you connect to God, grow in His Word, and serve the kingdom in a greater capacity. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. Thank you, Megan. We are so thankful that you are worshiping with us today. Merry Christmas. Uh, I said welcome to all of our first-time guests, but I didn't introduce myself. My name is Greg. This is my wife, Megan. We're the pastors here. We're so thankful you're here. And this morning, we are uh, in week two of our series for Christmas season called The Sounds of Christmas. And every week, we are 
kind of highlighting a Christmas song, and then we're going to try to ask you. We're hoping that when you hear this song in the supermarket or on the radio a week from now, that maybe you will remember the message of today, the sound of the season from that song. And I'll introduce today's song to you in just a moment, not by me singing it, by the way. But, uh, but you know, there's certain announcements that once you hear them, they're such good news that they change your life forever. Like, perhaps if you're a dad in the room, maybe the first time you heard that your daughter is getting married. An announcement that probably changed your life forever. Or maybe, maybe for uh, moms and dads in the room, maybe the first time you found out that you were going to be a parent probably changed your life forever. You remember the moment. Maybe you heard interest rates were dropping by 3%. (laughs) You rejoiced. And I just say all this to to say that, to say that, to say this. When you hear good news, how many would say one of the first things you want to do with good news is Share, some, share it with somebody. Tell somebody. You want to tell someone else about the great bargain you got, the great deal you got, the great news you got. I was reading a uh, study a while back that said there's actually certain endorphins that release in your brain every time you go to the mailbox. Because when you open that door... It could be good news. It could be bad news. But it could be good news. You could have a check or money order, bank error in your favor, collect $200. It could be something good. The same thing happens when you get on social media. Have you ever accidentally spent 45 minutes scrolling and you're wondering what? on earth? Why did that just happen to me? I was going to check the weather and instead I am up on all the junk in Cabot, Arkansas. What happened? I'll tell you what happened. You were inadvertently, intrinsically, internally, you were searching for good news and you just kept on scrolling looking for good news and here's what I'll bet you didn't find it because it's not out there. But today... I'm not trying to depress you when I say that. I'm just saying social media is not, should not be your source of finding good news. Um, but today, we're going to look at the source of good news. Christmas reminds us of the source of good news. Luke chapter 2, verse number 8. I'm going to pick up right where we left off last week. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you, what kind of news? Good news. Great tidings of joy that will be for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. We'll find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. And when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. 
So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary, she treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen which were just as they had been told. Father, I pray that this morning, in the next few minutes of time, that you'll help me do what only you can do. Help me speak the word of God with clarity and with effectiveness. Lord, anoint me to speak on your behalf. Open our ears, our hearts, and our minds to hear what the Spirit of God would say and help us all respond accordingly. And we'll give you thanks for that. Everybody in the room said amen. So the characters that we're studying today are the shepherds. Their response to the first Christmas and the The Christmas song that I hope brings up this message in your mind as you go through this Christmas season is the song, Go Tell It on the Mountain. How many of you heard that song? How many want to sing it for me? Mark, it's that, go. Wow, y'all are pretty good. Everywhere, go tell it on the mountain. Jesus Christ is born. And now you know why I'm not on the worship team. But you've heard the song, right? You've heard the song. And one of the reasons we're focusing on that song is because this song tells us not only the reaction of these shepherds. They went and saw, then they went and they told others. Today, I'll get into this in a minute, but the title of today's message is simply this. If you see something, say something. Have you heard that phrase before? If you've been through an airport, you've probably heard them come over the loudspeaker. If you see something, say something. If you've been to a ball game when it comes to security issues, you may have heard someone, if you see something, say something. I got an got a, a, a email this week about how churches are having to ramp up their security because there's been certain attacks on churches in the last few weeks. And they've been urging pastors and church staff, if you see something, say something. But today, these shepherds, they saw something. But it didn't stop there, did it? Then they said something. This Christmas season is not a season for you and I to just rejoice that Jesus Christ is born. We've got a duty to not just see what he's done. We've got a duty to say something to someone who doesn't know. If you see something, say something. And I say this every year, but I'm going to say it again. Did you know, which you should if you've been part of the assembly for more than 12 months, because I said it last year and the year before that and the year before that, did you know that Christmas season is the best season of all to tell someone about Jesus? Why would I say that? Because all month long, unless you're weird like me, it's been going on since October, the world has been singing our songs. Right? Away in a manger. That, that's our song. That's about our king. It came upon a midnight clear. That's about, about the Savior we worship. We three kings have traveled afar. That's out of the Bible. Organizations and corporations that 11 months of the year do everything they can to destroy the message of the church play our songs for free all month long. Right? They are, they, they are accidentally 
telling our story. Kids, all year long, you'll have teachers and administrators tell you, don't you talk about Jesus in school. Then lo and behold, they play his song at Christmas time, right? Some of you guys that work on the military base, I know that there's certain, certain uh, ramifications that if you share your faith in certain ways, you can get in trouble. But yet, I bet at certain parties around the base this, this season, you're going to hear songs about Jesus, right? They, they, well, this, that doesn't matter. That's different. Well, I'll tell you what it's doing. It's opening people's hearts to the message. It's, it, you might even call it subliminal messaging. They're hearing the gospel without noticing. But the Holy Spirit can use you and I to take what they are hearing and align it with God's Word, whether it's an invitation to a to a church service, an invitation to share your personal story. If you've seen God do something, then you and I should be the first to say something to those around us. That's my message in a nutshell this morning. If you see something, say something. This song, Go Tell It on the Mountain, Go Tell on the Mountain is, it, it, it reinforces not just a reaction, but the command that each of us have received to go into all the world and share the good news. And the gospel, the good news of Jesus is in some ways, how many of the gospels very exclusive? Right? We can't be ashamed of that. The gospel is very exclusive and the fact that Acts chapter 4 says there's no other name given among men by which we must be saved. But it's also very inclusive and in the fact that Revelation chapter 22, the word says, whosoever will, let him come unto me. So it's very exclusive in Jesus is the only way for salvation, but it's very, very inclusive in that he desires that whosoever will. John 3, 16 also shares the heartbeat of God that all the world would not perish, but come to him. It's an invitation that you and I are invited to participate in giving. So by the end of this message, I'm hoping that each of us will understand we have an obligation and an opportunity to not just see something, but to say something. You know, this story we just read of these angels speaking to the shepherd, these angels were the first communicators of the good news. They say, it's good news unto you, a Savior is born. And now you and I have been called to be sharers of the same good news. And you may say, Pastor, but you don't understand. I'm no angel. And you might mean that in several different levels. Number one, I'm not an angelic being. Number two, I haven't been that good. But here's the good news. Jesus can use those who are less than angels for kingdom purposes, including you and me. So how can we share what we've seen? I want to give you a few ways about that this morning. How can we go and tell it on the mountain? How can we share the Savior we've all come to know? The first thing I want to remind you from this account is that you don't have to be impressive to make an impression. Shepherds. How many would say shepherds seem like an ordinary job? Can I tell you, if, if it seems to you like shepherding would just be an ordinary, everyday job, you're exactly right. As a matter of fact, 
in, in, in biblical times, shepherds were not just an ordinary job. They were kind of, it was kind of a, a menial job. Those who were shepherds were actually looked down upon. They weren't accepted in the highest social, social circles, but they weren't impressive as far as we know. But yet, how many would say that shepherds must have made an impression, even though they weren't impressive because here we are 2,000 years still reading about the story how they went and saw and then they went and told they weren't impressive by by man's category but they made an impression that made an impact I like what one writer said I've got it on the screen for you it says for the greatest miracle of all speaking of the birth of Christ God's greatest work was done in quietness and in simplicity of daily life common to millions of men. That song Megan just wrote, or sorry, she just sung to you reminds us how Jesus came. He didn't come with great fanfare. He didn't come with trumpets. He didn't come with, with, with all this stuff that you and I would come with. We were coming to, to, to enter our kingdom. Jesus came differently. He came in an ordinary way. He cho- chose ordinary people. But can I tell you today, Jesus is still choosing ordinary people to be the spokesman of the kingdom of God to make what seems to be hidden among many known to many. You don't have to be impressive of yourself to make impression upon others. There was one person who heard about Jesus when he began his ministry. His name was Nathan, who even asked the question, can anything significant come from a place like Nazareth? Is there anything impressive about this person? In 2023, there's many who have written off the idea that Jesus can really change their life. For many people, Jesus is just one element of what we celebrate at Christmas time. He's not everything, he's just part of it. And others would say he's not even a part of it. Christmas is just a commercialized tradition that has some traditional, some religious connotation to it, but really simply it's about you know giving things, remembering, getting together, and Jesus can almost be pushed to the side of it. They think what would really change my life can't come from Jesus. It can't come through the, through the life of a church. It can't come through a gospel message. It can't come through me coming to the Lord. If my life is going to change, if I'm going to get peace, if I'm going to get joy, then I'm going to have to find fame. I'm going to have to find fortune. I'm going to have to find success. I'm going to have to find acceptance. I'm going to have to find all these different things. But yet, when they find those things, they don't last. Let me put it to you this way. How many have ever discovered that you can't judge a gift by the package it's in? I remember years ago, I'm not sure if they do this still, but years ago, if you ordered Christmas packages off Amazon, you could actually pay an extra whatever, and they would come wrapped for Christmas. I'm not sure if they still do that or not. And they used to come wrapped with paper. I know you can still get them in like nice gift bags today, but back in the day, you used to actually get them wrapped. The problem was, I mean, shipping a wrapped box through the mail system 
isn't really conducive to having a pretty box under your tree. And so I tried to do this a few times because I'm kind of cheap and lazy and, and can't wrap very good. So I ordered a few presents and they came in the mail and what was on the inside was good, but the wrapping was a mess. It was like torn. I had to rewrap the gift. Now let me ask you something. Did, was, was the gift on the inside any less valuable because of the wrapping on the outside? No, the gift was still still intact. The gift was still, it was still complete. It was whole. It was exactly what it was ordained to be. But I'll be the first one to tell you that sometimes the church you see where I'm going? How many understand that we have been called to be the wrapping of the gospel? Right? You and I, our lives is the wrapping of the gospel. Some people have actually said that before anyone reads the Bible, the first gospel they'll read is you. They're getting to the same thing that I'm saying now. And I'll be the first one to admit that, that the church as an organization, Christians as individuals, and even as, as groups of people at times, we have dropped the ball. We've allowed the package to be delivered in a horrible way. It was, it was wrinkled. It was, it was not conducive to someone saying, oh, this is wonderful. This is great. This really works. Sometimes we drop the ball. Sometimes I have dropped the ball. But can I tell you, even when we drop the ball, it doesn't ruin what's on the inside. Thank God. The gift of Jesus Christ, the gift of salvation is still intact. It's still powerful. And it's still more than enough to change any life that will come to it today. So maybe you're in the room today and say, Pastor, I've been so turned off by church. I've been so turned off by Christians. I've been turned off by people who say they love God, but they do things that is not loving at all. I would say to you this morning, don't let the wrapping rob you of the gift. Amen. Those shepherds could have said, the king's going to be found where? In a manger? Among stable animals? That, 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 that packaging, I just can't rally around. But thankfully, they went and they saw. Because here's the second thing I want you to discover this morning from the shepherd's story is that they believed something. They believed that there was more to see than what they'd seen. I hope that you will leave this service today with spiritual curiosity. And what I mean by that phrase is this, that you will leave this service in a few moments believing that there is more to see than what you've seen. These, these shepherds, they could have had this great experience, right? These angels appeared to them while they're out keeping sheep, uh, heavenly hosts. In other words, a few angels showed up, then Perhaps thousands more filled the sky. They had the greatest campfire story ever. For generations, anytime they went camping, they could have told their kids, let me tell about this one night we were out camping. And no one would have believed them, right? Angels showed up, Real dad? really dad? Really grandpa? What? They could have been satisfied just to have this great camping story to share the next time they were out in the field. But instead, they believed there was more to see. 
There's more than just this instant experience. Let's go see what else there is. How many understand that, that I don't care if you've been serving Jesus for five minutes, five years, or 50 years, there's one thing I know to be true is that is this. There's more than what you've seen. God, give us spiritual curiosity. Like these shepherds, though they'd seen something wonderful, instead of just setting on what they've seen, they allowed what they see to cultivate an interest in seeing more. You know, my family and I, we have become, we didn't mean to become, but we have become theme, theme park junkies. We really are. We have been to Silver Dollar City. That's our main place of addiction. We, we, have, we have been to Silver Dollar City no less than 12 times in the last 12 months. At least. At least. We have season passes, and so the more you go, the better of a deal it is. So the, the cheap side of me is like, the more I go, the cheaper. The, I, I'm saving money by going. At the beginning of the year, this was like, you know, $20 every time we go. But now we're going so much, it's like $3 every time. It's like, we got to go. It makes it a better deal. So we, we've been going. You blindfold me and drop me off in the fireman land. Unblindfold me. I'll know where I am, and I can get you the shortest route between here and the frontier area. I can, I can do that. I, I'm a junkie. I know it when it comes to SDC. But the other day, I heard... My kids, talking to some other fellow theme park junkies here in the church, and these other kids were telling my kids about the petting zoo at Silver Dollar City. Now, I just told you I've been a lot. And I said, petting zoo? There's no petting zoo. At si- what? See? It exists. I've been missing out. I was convinced I'd seen that I've seen it all. But there was more than what I saw. Can I just tell you, spiritually speaking, whether you feel like you're just starting out or you've been a Christ follower for 50 years, 70 years, there is more to see than what you've seen. Let those shepherds encourage us that no matter how great God has moved in our past, there's more to see today than I've seen before. There used to be this phrase, we said a lot, I think we've kind of gotten over it, but there used to be this phrase, there was even a t-shirt that went around that said, been there, done that, bought the t-shirt. I've seen too many Christians that that's their theme. You ask them, do you know Jesus? Oh yeah, 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 been there, done that, bought the t-shirt, said the prayer 25 years ago. Hadn't worshipped him since, but, you know, been there, done that, bought the t-shirt. Somehow we've lost our spiritual curiosity. These shepherds reminded us of what it is to have spiritual curiosity. I like 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse number 9, that reminds us that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, or has entered into the mind of man what God has in store for those that love him. In other words, we still don't know what all God has for us. And these shepherds, they didn't just settle to be curious. They pursued their curiosity. They said, let's go and see. And one of the reasons I think it is so important for us to be 
spiritually curious is that curiosity is contagious. Your spiritual curiosity can rub off on others. If you're in the room today and you're a dad and you're wondering, how can I, how can I lift the spirituality of my family? Here's a great way. You begin to be more spiritually curious than before. And your spiritual curiosity will lead you to seeking the Lord, and that will rub off on your family. They will begin to receive and reap the benefit of your spiritual hunger. They had a lot of reasons to not be hungry. They had a lot of reasons just to stay still and settle. They could have let their fear that, hey, well, they might not, we're shepherds, we're not really welcome there. They could have let their fear keep them put, they could have settled to be indifferent about what God was doing that night, but instead they pressed through their fear and their indifference and they sought the Lord. I'm praying, God, bring us to a place of spiritual hunger this Christmas. Number three, which is a point that serves as my title today, is we've got to be comfortable if we see something say something. Look at verse number 17. It says, when they had seen him, what did they do? They said something. When they saw him, they spread the word concerning about what they had seen. Let me ask you a question. Has God ever done anything for you? Have you seen him do something? Then say something. I've been really encouraged the last six months by people who have been going public with their faith in Jesus through water baptism. We've had a lot of first time, uh, a lot of people being baptized for the first time in water the last few months. It's been really encouraging to me. Something else has been going on. We've had a lot of people being baptized for a second time which there's no biblical command to do. It's not forbidden in Scripture. It's just kind of one of those things that's silent. We're all commanded to be, you know, have a public profession of faith for water baptism, but, but to do it again is not commanded. But there's been a lot of people who, who have been doing it again. And so every time, uh, before we baptize someone who wants to be baptized for the second time, I kind of ask them, why? Just to, just to figure out why we're doing what we're doing. And without exception, almost every time the answer has gone something like this. I know I've been baptized before, but God has been doing something in me. And I have to testify that I'm not the same. You know what they're saying? They're saying, I've seen something. So I got to say something. I want us to wrap our hearts and minds around this message this morning. If you've seen God do something, you and I are obligated to say something because what you and I may think as being ordinary and common because we're used to it, because it happened 10 minutes ago or 10 years ago, it may be just the fuel that brings life transformation to those who are away from the Lord. If you see something, you've got to say something. And there's always people who are going to say, no, 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 don't, 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 don't say anything. Right? That happened to Peter when he 
was used by the Lord to heal that crippled man. In Acts chapter 4, they put him in prison, they beat him, then they released him. They said, listen, you can leave. Just don't say anything. And Peter said, you decide whether it's better for me to obey God or, or man. As for me, I can't help but speak. In other words, he was saying, I've seen something. So I've got to say something. Now, is it okay if every once in a while I kind of get in, challenge you a little bit? Okay, I'm going to do it anyway. If we're not saying anything, pick it up and put it down. Pastor, I wish you'd move on. I want to let that sink in a minute. If I'm not saying anything, it's because, number one, I haven't seen anything, or is it number two, that I've forgotten how good God's been to me? In just a minute, I'll tell you how we're going to end this service. In just a minute, I'm going to ask you to take about 30 or 45 seconds and ask the Lord to renew your perception of how good He's been to you. Because when we've seen something, we should be saying something. Number four, the last thing, Megan, if you want to come, the last thing these shepherds teach us is that we can expect God to keep His word. Verse number 20 says, they, they saw, they told, and here's what they told. It was just as they expected, just as God promised. Those last few words of verse number 20, they, they shared what they'd heard and what they'd seen, which were just as they'd been told. See, the first Christmas in itself was the answer to a promise. It was the answer to Genesis chapter 3 where, men, where mankind fell into sin and needed a Savior and God promised there would be a Savior that came. Christmas was the answer to that promise. Christmas was also the promise of those shepherds who, who was told by an angel, if you will go, you will find this baby. He's Christ the Lord, the Savior. You're going to find him in the most ordinary, un, un, unassuming place in a manger. But God kept his word. Did you know every time God keeps his word in your life, that's an opportunity to see and to share. Each promise he gives is an opportunity to share his faithfulness to us. Pastor, why would God even want people to share their story or share their encounter? Because God keeping one promise builds our faith to believe Him for greater promises. And the good news this angel shared is for two different, two different purposes. Number one is for you. It says, unto you a Savior is born. Number two, second purpose is it's for us to share. It says, for all the people. So as I close our time together, I want to ask you to bow your heads with me this morning. Two prayers. Number one, First prayer I want to challenge you with. The title has been called, If You See Something, Say Something. Maybe the thing you see this morning is you need Jesus. 
You need the hope of Jesus. You need to give your life to Jesus. The Spirit of God has come to you in the last 25 to 30 minutes. I've been talking, and because of what was said, or perhaps despite what was said, maybe during the worship service, the Spirit of God came to you, and you've just, you have sensed your need to give your life fresh and new to Jesus. You say, that's, that's me this morning. I, I, I'm seeing my need for Jesus. Maybe I haven't seen it before. Maybe you've been, maybe you've been so accustomed to the things of God that you've just taken your eyes off the God of the things. But for whatever, or maybe this is the first time you've ever been in church, the first time a decade, but whatever reason, you, you know that right now you're not right with the Lord. And you see that. If you see that, then the word says you need to say something. You need to say something because it's with our mouths we confess that Jesus is who he said he is. We confess our need for his help. And we accept his help by expressing that to him. He said, Pastor, I'm far from God this morning. I need his help. I need him to cleanse me renew me, restore me. Most importantly, I just need to start following him. I've been following myself, following other things, following my own ideas long enough. I need to start following him. I'm not going to call you forward, embarrass you, or make you stand out. I just want to include you in a prayer and know to pray for you personally. So if that's you this morning, say, Pastor, I'm making a decision today to get things right with God. Start following him. We just lift your hand real quick. That's me, Pastor. Pray for me. Amen. 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 Several hands. I want to read a scripture to you if you just keep your eyes closed in another moment. Romans 10, 9 says this. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you're made right with God. It's by openly declaring that your faith that you are saved. As the scripture tells us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. So Father, I pray right now, as people are declaring that they need to follow you, that they want to start following you, God, we just openly declare right now with our mouth that you are Lord. And we believe in our heart that you are the Son of God, Jesus. You came, you lived a perfect life, died a sacrificial death, and rose on the third day for me. And we need your salvation. I pray that those today who are making that decision will take the words of that scripture, Romans 10, 9, and 10, and decide to follow Jesus with all their heart from this day forward. In Jesus' name. Now, believers, all of us, would you look at me real quick? My last question is this. Have we forgotten how good the good news really is. Have we been living for the Lord so long, enjoying His freedom for so long, enjoying the blessing of the Lord, the peace of God, even when, even when life is thrown on top of us, we still have the peace of the Lord. And have we been, have we been living for Him so long that we have forgotten how good the good news is? I want to tell you, if you've seen something, you got to say something. If you're like me, 
I haven't just seen something. I've seen God be faithful this time and this time and this time. I've seen him turn around this hopeless situation and that hopeless situation. I've seen him turn that night in the daytime and that night in the daytime. I've seen him heal that disease and this disease. I've seen too much to not say something. Amen? So would you spend the next 30 seconds, would you stand with me and say this prayer, God, I've seen something. So give me the courage and the boldness to say something. And I'm even going to pray that as you're praying that prayer, the Lord may even, He may bring faces and names to your mind that need to know the good news that you have inside of you. Pastor, I'm no angel. I'm just ordinary. God used ordinary people before. He desires to use you and me today. Father, help us today. We have seen you. Lord, we saw you save our lives. Many of us, we were... We were what others would say hopeless, unreachable, or a lost cause. But God, you stepped in and you redeemed and restored our lives. Lord, we've seen you do something like that. So we've got to say something like that to others around us. God, others of us in this room, we've seen you put our families back together. We've seen you heal our loved ones. We've seen you do work miracles financially in other ways. God, we've seen too much to be quiet. Lord, as these shepherds, Lord, they saw something, then they said something. Lord, help us be the church that will go and tell it on the mountain everywhere. We've seen something. So help us say something about the Jesus that we love and the Jesus we serve. How will our families know about the goodness of God? How will our kids rise up, be raised to be followers of Jesus? It's going to happen, Lord, not because we send them to church. That helps. But it's going to help. It's going to happen because, Lord, we've seen you and we say something. Help us to continually say things in our homes, in our jobs, in the marketplace, on the street, wherever our feet feet would take us. Help us to say the good news of Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you give the Lord a hand clap for his word today? We love you, Lord. Hey, have a wonderful Merry Christmas. If you're a first-time guest, I'll be in the front lobby in about 30 seconds. I'd love to greet you and meet you and put the gifts in your hands. If you've seen something, say something this week. Hello, this is Greg Sanders, pastor of the Assembly here in Cabot. I want to say thanks for listening today. If you're ever in the Cabot area, we'd love to have you join us for a service. For service times, check out our webpage at theassemblycabot.com. Thanks again for listening. We hope you have a great day, and God bless.